Well, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Grace and peace to you. It is great to see everybody. Uh, you're so, so welcome. Grace and peace to every one of you. Uh, I caught some of you off guard a wee bit, I think, coming in a wee bit earlier. It's not usually I'm here before 12, so I think that, I think that bodes well. We might not be here a full hour, so we'll, we'll wait and see. As joke with some of them outside. Let's live in hope. Um, but it's great to see everybody. You're, everybody is very, very welcome. Uh, as you know, we're working our way through Galatians chapter 3 at the minute, and we're going to continue on looking through Galatians. Um, we're going to think about how we uh, sometimes we begin our lives trusting in Jesus, our spiritual lives, our new life trusting in Jesus. But sometimes people, we have, people can have this experience of whilst starting off well, somewhere along the way, we end up trusting more in ourselves. Sometimes, somewhere along the way, we take our eyes off of him. Somewhere along the way, we we start worrying more about what the person down the road thinks about us than what Jesus thinks about us. And it leads us to all sorts of angst and worry. And yet we're invited to look to Jesus, not just to begin life with Jesus, but to live, to live by faith, not just begin by faith, to live by the Spirit. And the whole way through Galatians, we've been saying about this message of freedom. This is a message of joy, of peace, of of freedom in Christ. That's my prayer, is that you've been increasingly encouraged and increasingly understanding what it means to live and to experience freedom in Christ. And we'll continue doing that together. Uh, A couple of announcements. just before we begin doing that. Last Sunday, as you know, we had a a wonderful time of of worship. We shared, we broke bread together. We we shared the Lord's Supper together. But we also welcomed in some new members. Uh, Maybe if you watched along, uh, if you weren't here. But maybe if if you weren't here, I'll put it to you. Maybe you've never thought about becoming a communicant member. Maybe you've maybe thought, that well, that's something for youngsters to do. You'll notice that last Sunday, between here and in Katie, there were six people who came to become communicant members. I don't think it would be unfair for me to say that none of the six were youngsters, if you know what I'm saying. Maybe if this is something which you have had questions about, maybe you've kept away at communion services thinking, that's not for you. If that is ever your sense, would you speak to me, please? Um, because we would love to, to chat more about what it means uh, to share the Lord's Supper together and what it means to be a communicant member, indeed. Um, I'd ask you to be praying then for those, uh, for those three uh, here last week. Um, uh, th- I've been asked to, to thank those who came along and tied up around the graveyard there uh, in the past two days. Um, to say a big thank you. Um, I'm sure you noticed from the way in. It looks really, really tight. looks really, really smart. And one other announcement is we've got um, this this afternoon, 4 o'clock, there's Faith Mission organising a a drive-in here, a drive-in service at the front in the car park there and out on the the road. Um, So 4 o'clock, you all will have received either a paper copy. If you've got email, then you've received an email copy. And if you've got WhatsApp, you should have already have received a WhatsApp copy. If you're not getting any of those WhatsApps or emails, again, speak to me and we'll get them to you. Um, But share that out. Um, Come along, bring a friend and uh, that should be a good time of encouragement. YAF meets tonight at 6.30, and that's meeting on Zoom. Same passwords. Again, if you know anybody in that age bracket, would you pass that on and encourage them uh, to be encouraged uh, by that time as well? Um, 
This week, uh, I'm away on a, on a training week. It's not that exciting because we can't go anywhere, so I'm being trained in front of a computer screen for the, the week, which isn't much crack. But we've been asked to, to arrange a, a different preacher for this Sunday coming. So Trevor Canning is going to come a, and share with us. Uh, he's from Craigavon Presbyterian, and uh, he's going to come a, and lead our worship next Sunday. So come along and, and really find some way to, to be able to, to encourage him as well. Um, he's, a, he's a retired uh, head teacher, uh, and he feels that this is God is, is leading him and using him in these ways. So um, please do come along and encourage him. Um, then the final announcement we have is a very exciting piece of news. Um, uh, and this is good news. We were granted permission on Tuesday past by Armagh Presbytery to seek um, the ordination of up to four new elders. Uh, this is something which we've been thinking about and praying about for a while, but this Tuesday we, we got news on this, and this is tremendous. I'm going to just put it out there, just to mention it at this point. I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider um, at this point. I'm not asking you to go out and to start talking amongst yourselves of who do you think and what would you say and what do you think, but prayerfully in your times of prayer this week, um, be asking God, uh, maybe seeing who the Spirit might be calling and equipping um, for this for this responsibility. Um, we have systems in place um, that help us as, as best as possible to try and seek the Lord's will, not man's will on these things, but the Lord's will. But I'm going to ask you, please, to be praying about it. Not next Sunday, but the following two Sundays in May, the last two Sundays, we're going to think together about what it means to be an ordained elder. Uh, what qualifications um, are those of an elder? Uh, following from that, then I'm going to invite you to make suggestions uh, in, during June. All will come clear as we get closer to that time. Um, but on those last two Sundays of the month, we're going to have a voters list, which is going to be displayed. Now, again, I'm sure that you will know all about this very well. Um, but we're going to have that displayed for two weeks. And if you read it and you think, my name isn't, is on that, and it shouldn't be on that, if there's a clerical error, you have a, a week to write that in writing and send it to me in writing. Um, but according to the code, there are the various people within the church. There's what the, the church call adherents. Those are who come along and contribute and are part of the, of the church, um, but are not communicant members. Then there are communicant members who are indeed breaking bread and members in the church. And then there are what are known as voting members. Just for your own clarity, voting members are those communicant members who have contributed uh, to the church financially in the last year. I'm to read this paragraph, so bear with me if it sounds a bit dry. Voting members in the church are communicant members who are on the role of the congregation who are listed, whether by name or number, as having contributed to the stipend or weekly offering of the congregation in the last financial years. There's a proviso there if you are a wife who is a contributing member uh, and a communicant member, uh, and you, your husband isn't contributing but is a communicant member, they are qualified. Likewise, if you as a husband are contributing and you are a voting, uh, uh, contributing and a communicant member, and your wife who is a communicant but is not contributing, uh, they are contributing on your behalf, both are qualified. I hope that didn't confuse things. We'll get, we'll, we'll get clarity as we go along. But just at this point, I just wanted to set out what a voting member is um, and ask you to be praying for that. Those last two Sundays in May, we'll be considering, and I'll be speaking to you more on that occasion at that time.
Uh, as for now, let's, let's come and let's gather and worship together. I'm going to read from Psalm 105. And Psalm 105 lifts our eyes from the, the troubles that we see around us. They lift our eyes from the, the worries that we have burning ourselves. They lift our eyes and see us even beyond ourselves and make us look to God. We recognize who we are. We are but a moment. We are like a vapor. But God is eternal. And these words will lead us in a time of prayer. So let me read this and then we'll pray in response. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever and the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we gather to do these things. We gather to to make your deeds known. We gather to give thanks, to call upon your name, to cry out to you, Lord, to sing to you, to sing praises to you, and to tell of your wondrous works. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, because we, Lord, we know that we are not. Or we know that you're powerful, because we know that we are not. We are weak, we are helpless people. Lord, our strength is sapped, but your strength is never diminished. Father, our days are short, but you are eternal. Father, we, we read here that you are a God who keeps your promises. You always have, you are now, and you always will. Father, we thank you that we can trust in you. We can trust in your covenants. We can trust in your promises. Father, pray as we come to you, we cry to you, Lord, we, we ask again for your strength, for your presence. Lord, be in our midst, we, we ask. Lord, cast out all fear. Cast out hurt and pain. And Lord, lead us, uh, lead us deeper into you, into an experience of, of your presence continually. Father, we thank you for the works that you've done. And Lord, we, we pray with anticipation for those works yet to do. Father, we pray and we ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, we're, we're wearing a mask and we're standing and we're singing. And we're going to sing our first hymn. Again, it's a hymn which lifts our eyes from above where we are and recognizes who we are in comparison to who God is. We are a vapor. He is eternal. And we're going to stand, we're going to sing the words of our first hymn. We are a moment, he is forever.
Amen. Well, as you know, we've been working our way through. First of all, I forgot. And I meant to take a photograph at the beginning. Uh, right, we'll go one, two, three. Everybody say cheese. <laughs> one day we're going to get to it. One day everyone's going to say cheese. One day, one day. Um, we've been working through the Old Testament, as you know, story by story. Uh, and we've been working through, but perhaps maybe if you've missed a couple of weeks, or maybe if you're, you're finding yourself finding it difficult to see how everything all fits together. Uh, we're coming to the end of the Old Testament. Let me give you a wee recap of where we've been. Um, You'll remember some of these names. I often say we know the greatest hits in the Old Testament. Uh, we know all the stories and Goliath. Um, we know about Daniel and the lion's den. Um, but some of the other stories, we're never sure how they all fit together into one big story. So let me go back a, a few weeks with us. We thought about a man uh, named by Eli. And you remember the little boy Samuel who went to live with them, uh, Samuel being, being called by God. Uh, Samuel was leading God's people, but God's people weren't happy. They wanted a king. They wanted a king. Do you remember this? They wanted a king. Samuel says, you don't actually want a king. It's not all it's cracked up to be. But they pushed on, and eventually the people of Israel were given a king, King Saul. And as they found out, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. After that, then, we find then King David, who came after him, and he was a king after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect. He had his own character flaws as well. After that, King Solomon, and after that, the, 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 the country broke up into the north, which was called Israel, the south, which was called Judah. And this is the time that they talk about the two kingdoms. Well, there was kings in the north, and they were all bad. The kings in the south, some were okay, some one or two were good, but most of them were, were bad. And they get worse and they get worse. And they kept disobeying God. And God warned and warned them. And even sent prophets. Do you remember Elisha and Elijah? This is at the time. They were sent to the north, to Israel, to call them to turn away from your sin. Turn away and turn back to God. Did the people listen? Did they ever? Unfortunately not. And things got worse and worse. But God promised them. He says like, that if you continue on this way, this other country is going to come and they're going to invade you. This great nation of Babylon is going to come and is going to take over. And they did ignore the warnings and things got worse and they got worse. And Babylon came, King Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the walls, destroyed the temple, and they took everybody away and took them as prisoners into a country called Babylon. And they stayed there. But God didn't forget about them. Remember, God keeps his promises. God didn't forget about them. And God promised that after 70 years, after this time, he would bring them back again. He would bring them back again. And that's where we find ourselves in our story this morning. It's after 70 years, God kept his promise. I don't know about you, but um, I have experienced in the past God answering prayers. And answering prayers in very strange ways. Very unusual ways. And maybe through unusual people as well. King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, gone. In its place, Persia. The king named Cyrus. And God spoke to this foreign king and he said, you have my people in your land. Send them back to Jerusalem. Send them back and have them build a temple. Have them come back and build a temple. 
And that's where our pictures, we can see her coming up here. Um, the first picture is uh, it's a dodgy picture. That's, that's meant to be King Cyrus. Uh, God speaking to him and he made a decree that anybody who wanted to could go back to Jerusalem. After 70 years, God kept his promise, but acted in a very strange way of how it went about it. And they were allowed to go back. Now this time had been very difficult for Jerusalem and Jerusalem wasn't like it used to be. It had been destroyed, it had been wrecked. The temple had been completely decimated. King Nebuchadnezzar, worse than that, he stole all the good things from the temple and he stole it all and he brought it to Babylon. King Cyrus says, take it all back. He says even more than that, take some of the gold, take some of the silver and go back. I want you to go back to Jerusalem. I want you to rebuild the temple. After 70 years, go back and rebuild the temple. You see in the next week's slide, after one year of returning, they built the, the, the altar and they were praising God again. Worship was back in Jerusalem. After 70 years, worship was back in Jerusalem. In the second year, what happened was the temple started to be rebuilt. And they started off building the foundations. And, and I know the foundations are meant to go underground. But they started to draw the boundary out of what this new temple was going to look like. And when the foundations were done, they were so happy. They were so happy. They were so pleased. And they all started singing and dancing and celebrating. Look at the temple. We're back in Jerusalem. But at the same time, there were men who were crying. There were old men who remembered what the temple used to look like before it was destroyed. And they looked at these foundations and they said, it's not the way it used to be. They said, it's not as big as it used to be. It's not quite the same. I don't like it. And they cried and they wept. God had restored them back to their place. He had kept his promise. But what it looked like to them, they thought, this doesn't look the same. I wish we could go back to the way it was before. I wish we, everything would go back to exactly the way it was. I wonder whether we've often said that. But God had a different plan. And they couldn't even see what that plan, in that moment, they couldn't even see the plan that God had for them. But he sent a prophet called Haggai to encourage them. Next slide shows uh, so, <laughs> a picture of, uh, but the words on the screen speak of the, the glory of this latter house. This latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. This is what they used to call, if you ever hear people talk about the second temple period, this was the time whenever the second temple was built. The first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. The second temple eventually would be destroyed by the Romans, but that's still a wee bit more to go. I wonder whether they would have cried if they realized that Jesus was going to be in this temple. I wonder whether they would have been as sad whenever they realized that Jesus was going to teach and to lead his people from within this temple. The glory of this temple was going to be even greater than what it was before. God wasn't just trying to bring them back to say, I want you to put it back the way it used to be. He said, I've got bigger plans for you. I've got better plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to do your harm. I have bigger plans and I'm going to do even more and bigger things amongst you. Sometimes when we look at the, the foundations, maybe we look at things being, I don't know, not to try and draw a parallel, but today as well, everything's not quite the same. Maybe God has a plan and what all these things that we're experiencing at the minute. But we think not only was there the second temple, which was going to be greater, it was going to have this glory. Not only that, but we read that Jesus would be tabernacling 
that he would be dwelling with him with us we see all the way through and especially through the new testament how jesus is with his people that was the point of the temple wasn't it to be people with their god wherever jesus was god was with his people and we're going to pray in a moment and we're going to respond because even now by his spirit he is with us his spirit is indwelling in the hearts of the of the believer and he by his spirit is dwelling with us as we gather to sing and to praise him he is with us now we're thinking next week we're going to think more about the temple we're going to think more about the temple being um or not this week next week we're going to be thinking about the the temple being um being rebuilt at that stage but if you've already got a worksheet it's going to uh, you can work through and process some of these things and again in that workbook that you've got at home you can go a wee bit deeper this week with the story about the return of the exiles and if you didn't get a chance to print one there's a couple at the front and this week there's a couple of extra sweeties thrown in the wee packets here and coloring in pencils so if you want to or if you've got any youngsters when we're, we're going to pray now and when we're closing our eyes you can send them up to grab them they're just on the table at the very front here they can run up and grab a pack and bring it back down to their seats we're going to pray and we're going to respond we're going to respond to this story and we're also going to be praying for one another so let's take a moment and let's let's pray for one another let's pray together let's pray father we thank you that that uh, for the greater glory <laughs> that was to be revealed father we thank you um, for jesus father we thank you that uh not only uh he he's the only way that we, we can we can know your peace jesus tabernacling with us father we thank you as as we look through and from from genesis right through then to to revelation there's no no need for a a temple you you are you are in our we are in your midst you're dwelling with your people father we pray that that you might be building us up as we read in scripture as living stones being built into a heavenly and spiritual temple here lord we pray for uh our upbuilding uh, but Lord, we pray for our unity. We pray for our joy. We pray for our peace. We pray that that our witness would be one which is glorifying you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the glory that we see revealed in him. Father, we pray for one another. We pray for, or there's many things for us to pray about. Father, we thank you that as the wee country that we call home turns 100 years old. Father, we thank you uh, for the blessings that, that we have been experienced throughout those 100 years. Father, we also recognize that, that this is not our, our eternal home. And we recognize we keep those things in perspective. But Lord, we thank you good times that we have had um, for the, the, the sporting celebrations. Um, Father, for the, the, the faithfulness of the harvest. Uh, Father, we thank you for the, the joy of your people. But Lord, we also know that there is much heartache over the past hundred years. And Father, we pray that, Prince of Peace, we ask again, we pray nearly every week, Lord, that you would, you would bring peace. But Lord, in a week that, that might spell political changes, Father, we pray that, that we would have good leaders who would seek the welfare of the place that they have been called to, that we would seek the good and the benefit of the place that you have led us to. But Father, we pray that not only would we have leaders who, who seek peace, that we would be people of peace. Lord, start the work in our hearts, that we would be people of, of grace, of mercy, that we would have hearts of, of forgiveness, a desire to set aside any, um, any, any previous wrongs or, or hurts, 
and seek the good of others. Father, that for the pains that we have experienced in our lives, for the hurts that that, the conflict has caused, that you would repay us for the years that the locusts have eaten. Father, we pray that both in the church and and in our world. Lord, we pray that all things that we do would bring glory to you. So again, Lord, we, we offer our very selves. We bring our tithes and our offerings later. Lord, we pray that they would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, it's from, from hearts that are thankful. We recognize that we are saved by grace. But Lord, may we also live by grace. May we walk by the Spirit. Father, we pray that for our own witness, amongst our families, our friends, in work, in the office, in the farm. Lord, we pray for those who, who don't know you, who have heard, maybe, but haven't responded. Father, we pray that there be fruit for our labor and that your grace might become active in people and places that it has not yet begun. Father, we pray that around the world. And Lord, as we pray for the world, we, we can't help but feel um, burdened for, for India and for Brazil. Lord, we, we were thankful for that big plane lifting off in Belfast during the week to bring those oxygen concentrators. Father, we pray for those um, who will benefit from those. Uh, but Lord, we, we grieve with those who grieve uh, and the deep, deep sorrow that there is in that country. Father, will you draw near to those who are ill, both there and here? Or will you be present with those who are struggling? And Lord, hear our prayers. As we pause, as we bring to you the prayers of our own hearts, draw near by your Spirit, we ask. We thank you that you do hear our prayers. We should never take that for granted. The thought alone causes our mind to be blown. We thank you that you do hear our prayers. Lord, answer them according to your will, we ask. In the Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, if you have your Bible in your own way you have it, I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to to read together um, just the beginning of Galatians. I hope you've picked up all the way through here that this is a message of hope, it's a message of peace, it's a message of of forgiveness, and more than that, of freedom in Christ. (laughs) But yet, Paul's writing to those who have set aside that freedom and have voluntarily allowed themselves to be chained, to be burdened. And he says, what is that? What is that? That's a slight paraphrase. But you'll see where I'm getting at from verse 1. Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Galatians by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I'm going to leave our reading there. The next time we're going to pick it up, we're going to see there's more on Abraham. It goes into more descriptions of Abraham. That's where we're going to leave it for now. How's it going? <laughs> we've asked that often recently, haven't we? How's it going? And we've all got different ways of asking it. What's the crack? What about you? How's your cutting? I even remember whenever I was up in the hospitals up in London, Derry, they would have asked, well, any bars? Any bars? I was very confused by this. I thought they were talking about pubs. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the way that people say in Derry, what's the crack? That's their own colloquialism. Any bars? Well, Audrey, any bars? How are you keeping? How's it going? I was told yesterday that in the times that we're living in, we sometimes have to ask that twice. (laughs) Often the first time, the polite selves, we answer, ah, it's going okay. But when we ask a second time, we realize what's really going on, and we get a a different answer, an expression of pain, of struggle, of experience of loneliness, of mental angst, of distress, of helplessness, sometimes even of hopelessness. We believe this is a question that Paul actually asks. Paul asks this question of the church in Galatia. He asks, how's it going? But from his response, he doesn't have to ask for a second time. He knows. I wonder, how's it going with you? I wonder, do you know peace? I wonder, do you know a sense of freedom? Or are you trying to, do you feel a weight of trying to live up to other people's expectations? Maybe sometimes when you think about faith or when you think about Jesus, you feel guilty. Maybe you feel a bit ashamed. Maybe you feel as if, I'm trying my best at this. I'm trying to live a good life. 
and I'm doing the best I can, but I feel sometimes my best is never enough. Maybe do you feel powerless? Do you feel helpless? Maybe some days do you even feel hopeless? These are all heart issues that, that Paul addresses here. And the time we have together, we're going to consider what Paul is going to say to the church in Galatia. Kind of two phrases up on the screen here. How do you begin and how are you going? How's it going? Paul begins by taking them right back. How did you begin? Let's get back to, the, let's get back to basics. Before addressing where they are now, he says, where were you? How did you begin? Have a look if you your Bible there, verses 1 to 3, we see this. Christ was crucified for you so that by faith you can receive his blessing, his forgiveness, his benefits. By faith you began and you received righteousness. You were accepted by God. That's what that means. You accepted and you experienced his spirit. That's how you began. And it wasn't about you. It wasn't because of your willpower. It wasn't your idea or your good, uh, good deeds. Haven't we seen that the last number of weeks reaffirmed all the way through Galatians? You're saved, not by the law, neither by the works of the law, but by faith. Salvation comes when we die to the law, we read last week. We die to the law and we live to God. When we call upon him in faith, he is good. His promises are true and he does not treat us as we deserve. And in a moment, uh, just like that, our, our, our motivation for life changes. We don't live anymore trying to live up to other people's expectations or trying to impress people. We don't even try to live our lives to impress God or to gain some kind of approval from him. Our obedience is not so that he might accept us or that he might love us more because everything's flipped on its head because we have already received this. Because we have already known his love, for those who call upon him by faith have already known that they are accepted in Christ. That changed our motivation for doing things. We are obedient to him because we are already accepted. We're not obedient to be accepted. Does that make sense? If it, if it, if it accepts, please, people, people nod or shake their heads because this is really, really key. This, is, this was key for me whenever I came to faith. Everything's flipped upside down. You're not trying to live a good life to be accepted, but because you're accepted, we live for the glory of God. That's how they began. That's how they began. But somewhere along the way, they've gone off track. Somewhere along the way, they've gone off track. And somewhere along the way, they've lost where they're going. So Paul says, how are you going? And he sees that they have abandoned the faith that once saved them, instead thinking that they could do the rest by themselves. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for saving us. But from now on, we're going to do the rest by ourselves. We're going to leave you here and we're going to do the works, the rest over here. And Paul says, this is madness. This is madness, guys. He says, this is, this is dangerous. This is dangerous, eternally dangerous stuff. He's not messing around here. You heard how firm he was. This is an offensive letter. I've told you this before. Galatians is a very offensive letter. It's offensive then and it's offensive now to our self-righteous to our religious side of our lives to the inner pharisee that's in us it's very very offensive put on the flip side how liberating how liberating as we find what it means to be free to find freedom in christ how liberating he says because uh this is if you think you can find freedom in the law he says you're joking you're kidding yourself 
Freedom of the law only comes when you obey every last iota of it, every last bit. And it's like walking on a tightrope. And spoiler alert, the Bible says that nobody makes it to the other side on their own. Not good living, not good works, nothing will get you to the other side. And that's why he says in verse 10 that those who try to rely on the works of the law, they're trying to walk along a tightrope, they are under a curse. And so we now understand the reason why Paul is so offensive in what he says. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has tricked you? Why are you so foolish? Verse 3, what are you thinking? I read this week of a man named Blondin. Now, I'd never heard of this man before, but I mentioned it to Esther during the week, and she has, so maybe you have too. Charles Blondin, is anybody? For lack of nodding your head. So some people, some people have heard of, of Charles. I'll share, I'll share a wee bit about Charles Blondin. He's a famous tightrope walker. And one time he set up uh, two poles on either side of Niagara Falls and a tightrope, and he walked across it and he walked back. And he even walked backwards as well across it. He did all these stunts and all these um, fancy, <laughs> walk away from the microphone. He did all these stunts and these tricks. And even at one point, he sat down with a stool and he sat and he had a meal whilst sitting on a tightrope over Niagara Falls. I don't know about you, I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I've seen photographs and it's not somewhere that I would like to be on <laughs> sitting suspended. But the thing about the story that blew my mind was after that, he asked for a volunteer, right, get this, he asked for a volunteer to climb on his back and to walk across, on his back, across Niagara Falls. Now, who here would be putting their hand up? I think everybody would be saying, well, that was really impressive, but, but no, not me. I think I, I'm led to believe it was his manager uh, climbed on his back and, and walked across to the other side of Niagara Falls. Surely that must be one of the ultimate uh, examples of, of trust in another man. But I wonder what would happen if that man was holding on to the back of Blondin, said to him, I'm okay from here, I'll take it the rest of the way. If you just set me down here in the middle of Niagara Falls, I can make it to the other side by myself. What do you think his family would be saying to him? What do you think Blondin would have been saying? What about the crowds? Are you mad? Are you mad? You've come all this way and you think you can do it by yourself? You can do it by yourself. You began with Blondin carrying you over and now you think that you can do the rest. Yeah, this is the way that some of us live and function. We, like the Galatians, we sometimes start off one way and then we find ourselves along the way, we say, well, it's okay, I've got it from here. I can do the rest by myself, Lord. Let's take an example. Let's take a moment and just think about it. How did we begin? How did we begin? Professing Jesus, we cried out to him, to Lord, nothing else matters apart from you. Nothing else compares with you. That's how we started, wasn't it? Even the most important thing about our lives, we say, the most significant things about us, even the, the, the greatest achievements of our hands, they are nothing in comparison to knowing God. Philippians 3, Paul puts it well, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Yes, for his sake, I consider everything rubbish. I, I, can, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, that I may be found in him and not having a righteousness of my own, which comes uh, from, the, from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What does that mean? That's quite long and lengthy. It means you're number one, Jesus. 
You're number one. Everything else, nothing compares. You are number one. You are my joy. You are my fulfillment. You are my reason for getting out of bed in the morning. But sometimes for some of us, that changes, doesn't it? Somewhere along the way. Somewhere there's a savior shift. Instead of finding our joy in him, we look for it in other things, in other experiences. Sometimes instead of living for God, we live for our own comfort or our approval or our reputation or what insert whatever uh, acts as a functional savior in your life. Or you say, no, well, that's, that's maybe, that's them, not me. An easy way to see whether this is a problem for you If something was taken away from you, how would you react? If something was changed, how would you react? If your reputation was slighted, what's your response? Is it to get angry? Is it to get defensive? Is it desire to get your own back or get revenge on that person? If your comfort is lessened, if something is taken away, do you look for somebody to blame? Do you complain that your rights have been taken from you? when we don't get the approval that we want from that person? Do we try harder? Maybe do we do things to be accepted? Maybe be compromised to try and fit in? Now, there's just a few examples, but I hope you're understanding what I'm getting at here. Our actions, our emotions, the way we talk to people and what we say to people often reveal what's really going on in our hearts. And anytime we find ourselves longing for something else, it often reveals that we are looking for fulfillment or joy or peace in something or someone. It often demonstrates that somewhere in our lives, there's been a shift that's taken place. We have a savior shift. We're no longer looking to Jesus. Like the Galatians, we've shifted our eyes from him. Now, yes, we, we began trusting in Jesus. But what about those who now feel as if they're, they're, they're trusting, they're, finding, they're trying to find their hope in other things. They're not trusting in themselves or in the approval of others. Somewhere on the tightrope of life, we've said, I can take it from here. And maybe when we think about it like that, we might say to ourselves, right enough, but that's madness. It's madness. But if that's you, is there any hope? Is there any hope for people like us who we start off well and then we find ourselves finding our joy in other things? And the answer is yes. Gloriously and absolutely yes, there is hope for us. The way we go is the way we began. It's the same way. You see, people functionally live, as I said, and perhaps they believe that the gospel is something that needs to be preached. You preach the gospel. The gospel is something for those, uh, those ones out there. I mean, those sinners. And it's all about getting into the kingdom. And that's what it is. We sometimes think about repentance. Repentance is something you do when you first become a Christian. We never put these things aside. We never put them away. This is not just how we begin. This is how we go. This is not just um, for, for us as we begin our life. This is for life as a believer. It's madness and foolishness. And as we say, very dangerous to put these things away. Paul makes clear that we are saved by faith, but he also makes clear that we are to live by faith. Otherwise, and this is hard, hard, to, hard to say and it's hard to hear, otherwise we are living under a curse. And it's as dangerous as trying to change a position on a tightrope. No wonder you, we can meet people who once professed faith, but now they appear so highly strung. Now they appear so suspicious of other people. They're critical. They're hard-hearted. 
They're uncertain about things and they lack joy. It's because they're looking for their affirmation in other things. They're looking for fulfillment in other people. And if they don't get it, they're not happy. It doesn't lead to a life of joy. It does not lead to freedom in Christ. And when these things, they are affected, they are experiencing what it feels like to live under that curse of relying on your works rather than grace. We're going to think more about Abraham, as I said, in the weeks to come. Um, But Paul brings him up here as a response to say, but let's all look at Abraham. Uh, Abraham is a man, uh, and he's a man of obedience, and uh, we are sons of Abraham. We are to do the same. Paul takes him back. The blessing of Abraham was never to do with the law or works. The blessing of Abraham, counting him as accepted, the Bible says righteous. It is all about faith. What does that mean? Well, Paul says, for us, it's so linked in, okay? The grace that we receive by faith, the spirit and the blessing of Abraham, these things are all tied together. And so we see in verse seven, and it says that it is to those who trust in faith and who live by faith who are the true sons of Abraham and who know the blessing along with him. Then we read that at the very first Psalm when we were praying about the blessing of Abraham. And so this is how we are to begin We are to begin by faith, but we are to keep going by faith, to live by faith, to seek our fulfillment, our reason in him, which alone is the only way that it can lead us to peace and to freedom. So if we experience this, what does this look like for us? What does it mean? Uh, What does it mean that once we have found freedom in Christ? Well, it means that we can weather, brothers and sisters, we can weather the storms. Because no matter what people say about us, no matter what people do to us, We rest in the promises that are ours through faith. We rest in the promises in Scripture. When things are taken away from us, when pain comes to our door, we remind ourselves that nothing can tear us from him. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? I know I do. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves. Sometimes we need to grasp our hold of our soul and give it a good shake and remind ourselves of these things. That no one can spoil or tear us from our highest treasure. When you're slighted for your faith, or when people try and attack your reputation, we recognize what it is. It's a flesh wound. It hurts. It really, really hurts. But it cannot affect our standing before God. In fact, Jesus goes further. If you are, then you are blessed. He calls you blessed. As we're going to draw to a close, we're going to come to pray in just a moment. But I want to ask you one last time how's it going? How's it going? How did you begin and how are you going? Is reminding yourself of gospel promises just for the beginning of new life in Christ or is it for all of life? I wonder if we ever find ourselves feeling frustrated, exhausted, if we ever find ourselves feeling helpless or maybe even hopeless. If you feel like you're on a tightrope and you doubt whether you're actually loved or you're worried about will I fall off this at some point? Or am I good enough? There is a chance that somewhere along the way we have shifted from trusting in Jesus to trusting in ourselves. Or we have trusted in what other people say about us. We strive for our fulfillment and joy in other places. And they will not fulfill. Maybe even seeking, as Paul says, to to live and to fulfill a law rather than to live by faith, by the Spirit. 
So the only response for us is to go on and to go on the way we began. To go on, maybe reminding ourselves of the truth that began our journey of faith. Maybe we need to do this every day. I said in Katie, sometimes maybe we need to do this every hour. We need to remind ourselves of who we are. We need to remind ourselves of the freedom that has been won for us in Christ. That Christ was slain for you. It's all here. Christ was slain for you to save you, to redeem you. He became a curse for you that you didn't have to experience that curse. He fulfilled what you could not fulfill. Even for the things that you thought in your foolishness that you could. (laughs) So that we might know his blessing. The blessing of Abraham. We might know his spirit. We might know his peace. And we might walk together in the freedom that Christ has won for us. No more shame. No more guilt. No more looking over his shoulder. No more backbiting. No more fear. Freedom in Christ. Let me read verse 13 again. Read this when you go home. Remind yourselves of this tomorrow morning. And then we'll pray. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So then Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles, might come to you. And so that you might receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's respond to God in prayer. Let's call out to him. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for him. We thank you that, that, Lord, at the cross, Jesus took the shame and the guilt that was ours. Jesus died the death that we deserved. And Lord, in Jesus' perfect life, in his perfect death, his perfect resurrection, Lord, we have been redeemed. We have been saved. We have been rescued. Lord, help us to understand what that means. Help us to understand that that is not just something for a Sunday. That doesn't just impact about how we pray, but it impacts about everything in life, in our work, in our play, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, Lord, help us to know and experience that peace. Help us to know and experience and understand that freedom. No longer we have to to try and seek your approval because you have accepted us, you have redeemed us in Christ. No longer do we have to seek the approval of others because scripture says, what does it matter? If you're for us, then who can be against us? Lord, the worst that they can do is merely a flesh wound. Father, even death itself cannot separate us from the love that is ours in Christ. Father, help us today to remind ourselves of these promises. Help us tomorrow morning when we get up and we're feeling helpless or hopeless to read them again, speak them over ourselves, to take our souls and shake them and remind us and look to you Father, help us to walk in freedom. Father, we thank you that it is by grace that we began and it's by grace that we go. Father, all undeserved. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
I'm going to respond by singing. And we're going to sing words to that same effect. How do we begin and, and how do we go on? <laughs> words the next hymn speak of that. It's only by grace that we enter. It's only by grace that we begin. It's by the Spirit. It's by faith. It's by faith that we continue. It's by faith that we stand. Only by grace. So allow these words to, to be your response today uh, to God's word of truth. Let's stand and sing together. freedom that Christ has won for you and that you might increasingly walk in and experience that freedom that is yours in Christ. But now let's share the words of benediction together. Let's bless one another. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.